This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. Or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links, and other material can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. The water in the dark tunnel sloshes up against the ancient rock face as the body bobs up and down, gently bumping repeatedly against a spur of rock which has snagged its clothing and prevents it from being washed out to sea. From a side passage, heavy, plodding boots are heard, thumping with inevitable regularity towards the tunnel. The booted figure appears, a dark shadow against the greater shadow of the unlit tunnel. Yellowish eyes flare with a dread menace as it regards the corpse in the water. It comes closer and extends a withered hand towards the body in a gesture of command. The corpse in the water begins to stir as if with life, but there is no life in it, only the grim power of a supernatural summons. It twitches and flips over, revealing an old lined face framed with bedraggled gray hair. The flesh now hideously bloated from the seawater. The ancient eyelids that once belonged to old Thorbjorn flip open, revealing dead, watery blue eyes. Eyes that suddenly roll back all white. The specter standing in the tunnel raises its hand, and as if in response, Thorbjorn's body begins to twitch further and rise fully, hovering over the water. The old man's mouth falls open, seawater pouring from it. He speaks in an unliving, tortured voice. Dead vocal cords twisting in agony, commanded against nature to make living sound. Please release me. The dark figure takes a single step towards him. The dim light reflecting off of the water, illuminating just for a moment its face. A desiccated ruin of a man. Paper-thin skin stretched over a harsh, angular skull. Its mouth opens and a sound escapes. Not speech exactly, but a sound like a rusting blade scraping over stone, torturously formed into words. No. No. Welcome back once again to Me, Myself, and I. I am, as always, your intrepid GM host and player, Trevor DeVal. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, if you enjoy the show, please do hit like and subscribe. And if you want to help support the show on Patreon, there is a link for that in the comment section below. And thank you to all of those of you who have already signed up to do just that. So when last we saw Arn Kalapunki, he had successfully rescued the people of Highmark and uh, stolen the spear from the husk, uh, Hogvendil. He had instructed Ormir to take the people of Highmark back to the other folk of Wolfstone because both peoples were now uh, unhomed and Ormir knew the way back to where the, the folk of Wolfstone were staying. So Arn knew that he had to go and find a way to remake the spear because that, of course, is his whole goal is to remake the spear, find Thaugalos the dragon and put an end to the hunt of the people of Wolfstone once and for all. So Ormir has left. 
with the folk of Highmark as they packed up their meager possessions. And in the meantime, Arn has proceeded north in hopes of finding someone who can remake the spear. So here's my first question of the session. Is there anything special about remaking the spear? I think probably not. I think he probably just needs to find a blacksmith of some sort, a weapon maker of some sort, who can reattach the head of the spear onto the, the, the shaft or the body of the spear. I think it is unlikely that he needs anything special with the spear. So basically, one to 75, basically he just needs you know, a regular old kind of blacksmith, someone who can uh, uh, put the spear together. But if it's 76 or more, there's something else that requires. What do we have? We have 70, almost, very close. But no, in fact, he just needs someone who knows how to craft weapons to put the spear back together for him. So he is wounded, his spear is a little low, and his supply is running low too. The encounter on Hogvendil's Island uh, cost him uh, quite a bit. So he's gonna have to deal with that. And the other issue is, he doesn't know where he is, and he doesn't know anything about this part of the Ragged Coast. So he doesn't know where there's going to be a settlement where he could find a blacksmith. So here's what I'm gonna do. I don't think that remaking the spear is gonna count for a separate vow in this case. I think it's just a milestone on the way to the greater vow of defeating Thalgalus. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have him undertake a journey, and he doesn't know where he's going. He's just looking in the wilderness for a settlement that might have someone who can remake the spear for him. It's going to be a formidable journey. We're gonna create a new journey for him. Find a weaponsmith. So he sets off from the ruins of Highmark. He's going to head up north along the ragged coast and hopefully he doesn't have to turn eastward into the deep wilds, which is a place largely avoided by the Ironlanders. It is a place of dark, dismal forests. Maybe there'll be something there for him, but hopefully not. Hopefully he can find something in this part of the Ragged Coast. Before he even starts the journey, he's going to try and do a resupply because he's down. So this is going to be a plus wits roll. Plus wits, plus two is four, which is a weak hit. So you can take up to plus two supply, but suffer minus one momentum for each. Currently his momentum is, set, is at seven. I think he's going to put his momentum down to five, so it slows him down a bit, but his supply is gonna go up to four which means that it takes him some time to find the necessary materials, not only to fletch his own arrows, because his quiver has uh, been quite depleted from all of the rapid uh, volleys of arrows he's fired at his enemies over the past few you know, days, but also it takes him a lot of time to, to, to hunt down an animal and bring down maybe an elk or something like that, or maybe something smaller. Whatever the case is, it slows him down. His momentum is now at five, but his supply has gone back up. So what we're gonna do is we're going to do our first journey roll. Now he is a wayfinder. So when you undertake a journey, take plus one momentum on a strong hit, and he doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> he's just kind of hoping that he gets somewhere, somewhere good. Okay, his first journey roll is a plus two, and okay, well three, that is a, that's a, that's a weak hit. You reach a waypoint and mark progress, but suffer minus one supply. Well, I sure am glad that he took the time, the, the, the day or two that it took him to resupply. He's gonna mark his supply down to three, but he does reach a waypoint. And what is the waypoint he finds? This is A, 53. An abandoned, 41. Abandoned rapids, abandoned rapids. Well, what I take that to mean is that there, he, he comes across a rather large raging river that's falling down from the cliffs and working its way through the forested, uh, hilly areas that he's now in. He comes across a ford, or what was once a ford. It would have been a good place to cross, but the river has 
swelled and where there was once a calm, serene Ford, now that place has turned into a series of raging rapids. So he has marked a waypoint. This is actually progress. So this isn't a, a bad thing. Does he attempt to ford this area? You know what? I think this is where he's going to make camp. I think he's going to decide. He's pretty exhausted. He's been through days and days of travel and battle and, and suffered untold horrors from, from being in proximity to the, the husk Hogvendale. I think now is the time he's going to make camp. It's a fairly decent area. There's a wide open spot maybe here beside the river, so we'll have plenty of fresh water, which is always good. He's going to rest and recover for several hours in the wild. So he's going to roll plus supply, which in this case is plus three. Make camp, plus supply. Uh, seven. Oh, strong hit and doubles. Uh, strong hit and a match. So this is really good. This is an opportunity. This is something positive that happens for him as he makes camp. He's going to recuperate and relax. Recuperate means his health goes up to plus four, which is his maximum and relaxes plus one spirit, which puts his spirit back up to plus five. He recuperates, he relaxes. I think this place, abandoned as it is, not only is there no chance of any sort of nasty thing stumbling across his camp, but I think that this place has, I don't wanna say a magical quality to it, but there is something particularly serene about this place. I'm imagining that this place used to be a resting spot for those who came before. We don't know anything about the civilizations or the first folk that were here before the Ironlanders. We just know that they existed. And I think that at this glade, it is so serene and so peaceful as he sits there, consuming his rations, resting, thinking, recuperating. Such is the peace of this area that it allows him some time to reflect on many things, his past, his present, his future. The match is going to give him just a, an additional momentum. I think his momentum is going to go up to plus six. He begins anew with a new sense of purpose, a renewed sense of vigor. Perhaps there was something particularly restful about this place. Anyway, we'll never know because he's going to leave it. <laughs> so he continues on his journey. And remember, as a wayfinder, if he rolls a strong hit, that's good for him because he gets plus one momentum. But we shall see. Plus two is going to be five. So that is another weak hit. So once again, he marks progress as the days go on. It does cost him supply. So he is now back down to two. So as the days go on, the land becomes harder, harsher. He starts to climb uphill a little bit, further and further away from, from the coast and, and the sea, uh, and more up the, the cliff and, and into the forested areas. He is actually moving further northeast than perhaps he intended because of the lay of the land. He is making progress. This next waypoint is going to be five. It is an exposed 12. Lair. Okay. What is the nature of this exposed lair? Action and theme. 59. Take. 99, take strategy. Exposed lair and take strategy means to me that he comes across the lair of some creature. It is exposed, that could mean a number of things, but take strategy, he is in no danger of this. If he wants, Arn can completely avoid this. I've always had it in my head that there was some race of sort of half giants in my version of the Iron Lands. Not exactly the same as described in the Iron Sworn book, but the version I have in my mind is that they're far more dangerous, they're far more stupid, more like kind of Tolkien-esque trolls in a way. I think he comes across a constructed wooden hall. It is a large longhouse, and I mean a large longhouse, like much bigger than a human-sized longhouse. It is exposed because there was a storm recently, and that storm had completely ripped off half of the roof and caved in half of uh, you know, parts of the wall. 
of this longhouse. And I think that he sees, as he comes out of the woods, he sees in the distance these large, almost dark brown, almost orange-furred kind of half-giant men repairing their home. And they're bitter and they're angry. He can hear them cursing in the distance at the cruel twist of fate that has caused a storm to come to bring down a uh, part of their of their home. But take strategy means that he does not have to engage with them. So he just observes them for a while. He has the option of getting closer to investigate further, to do a gather information roll, but he's not gonna do that. He is going to avoid this because he can. <laughs> so he takes his strategy and leaves the exposed lair of the half giants behind him. Okay, great, no need to face danger. He was in total control there. So the days continue and he, once again, undertakes his journey. He's gonna have to resupply here very quickly because he's running low on food. But this time, it's going to be another weak hit because of that old 10 roll, my goodness. His supply goes down to one, but he does mark progress, which means his track goes up to three. So he's been moving through the wilderness now for a couple of more days, but he can tell that his foodstuffs are running short and that he is going to have to deal with this very soon. Now, he has reached a milestone. I think in this case, I'm not gonna roll randomly for the milestone. I think he just reaches a, a decent clearing in the woods with a na nice natural overhang of, of rock beside a large series of boulders. Sort of a perfect little camp for him to safely camp in. And he's going to take the time here now. He's gonna spend the next day once again to resupply. So, four. Okay, well that is a, that is a weak hit. <laughs> well, he's gonna supply up to three and his momentum will go down to four. Again, it takes him some time and I think the reason why it takes him some time to refill his uh, foodstuffs, his provisions, is because he's now in a slightly more barren area. He can see that he has left the coastal lands behind him and as he moves further into the deep forests of the interior of the Ironlands, this area of the world, for some reason, where you would think there would be plentiful game, there is not. And it takes him a lot longer to bring down a deer or a few, you know, migratory game birds or whatever it is that he brings down. It takes him a lot longer than he expected. Perhaps there's a reason for that. We may find out. As we continue our journey, remember he's looking for any kind of settlement. So probably how that's gonna work out is when I, when I roll the uh, reach your destination, it's gonna be a settlement if he succeeds, right? But let's find out. Undertaker Journey, this is plus two, which is gonna be, oh, there we go, that's a six. And that is a strong hit. So because he's a Wayfinder, his, his momentum actually goes up to five because he got a strong hit. He's gonna mark progress. So it goes up to four boxes and it doesn't cost him any supply. And I think the reason is, is yeah, he did bring down a deer and he was, able to, uh, he was able to harvest the majority of the meat off that deer, and every day he slowly cooks that. He has no way of preserving the meat, but he does, the deer is sufficient that he doesn't have to worry about his supplies for a little, long, or a little while. So this is actually, this rule encompasses, again, several days. What is the waypoint here? He reaches a 55, a wide 46, a wide trail. Oh, this is a good sign. A wide trail means to me that this is a cleared trail. And a cleared trail must mean that there was someone who did the clearing. And if it is a wide trail, that says to me that it is still in use, which means he, no doubt, is getting closer to some kind of settlement. He knows he's on the right track. And so, with renewed vigor and renewed intent, he continues on. Undertake a journey at plus two, six. 
Oh, okay, well, we have our first miss. He's waylaid by a perilous event only a day or so after coming across a wide trail. What is the perilous event? Let us pay the price and see. Since I don't know what the most obvious negative outcome here is, we're in the middle of nowhere in the wilds. I'm gonna roll, because I do love my random tables. Pay the price. What is the nature of this negative event, 97? A friend, companion, or ally is put in harm's way. Or you are, if alone. Well, he is alone, so he's put in harm's way on this wide trail that he's clearly following. How is he put in harm's way? 65, protect. 24, protect balance. Oh, I just got an idea. <laughs> the place he's going to, the settlement he's going to, has been hidden away from the world. It has been hidden away from the world and there is something protecting the balance, protecting, oh, okay. <laughs> I know what this is. As he's moving through the woods, through the wide trail, he can see now definite markings on the trees that seem to denote almost like literal milestones, like this is one mile, this is two mile. He's seeing these markers, but here's the thing. The marks that he sees on the trees correspond to no kind of marks he's seen before in the Ironlands. They're very strange. They're carved on the trees with a strange, almost fluid type of design. Very, very graceful, very graceful. And as he's walking along this trail, the trail, wide though it is, starts to kind of wind back and forth in a series of switchbacks on itself. As he rounds the corner, there in front of him, standing in front of him, are three wolves. Big, shaggy gray and black fur. They stand there in a line. He sees them. He immediately freezes because they're very close, but they're not, they're not growling. They're merely staring at him. And as he slowly begins to remove his bow, the wolves bare their teeth, but they do not make any aggressive moves. He stops. He has never seen anything like this before. He looks around in the woods, and I think he hears a voice, a fluid, almost melodious voice, but a voice that is still tinged with warning. Take no further steps, Ironlander. Emerging from the trees is a figure, a humanoid figure. But this figure, slightly taller than him, moves with a lithe grace. And its face is behind an ornate and intricately carved and beautiful wooden mask. The humanoid, the figure, is armed with a long spear. And there is a bow strapped to its back as well. It seems to be very confident as it sort of looks towards the wolves, the wolves look towards it, and at that point, Arn realizes that, of course, this figure is definitely somehow controlling these three wolves. The figure looks at Arn and says to him, as though reading his thoughts, the beasts in front of you are under my control. With a single word, I could have them tear out your throat. I assure you, there is no need for that. I am Arn Kalapunki. I am lost in these woods. Of that, there can be no doubt. Who might I be speaking to, friend? You may call me Balathu. Uh, tell me, Balathu, is there a settlement nearby where I might provision myself? I seek a weaponsmith. There is no settlement nearby that would harbor the likes of you, Ironlander. Are you yourself not an Ironlander? The figure kind of scoffs behind the mask. 
No. Very well. This trail must lead somewhere. And at that point, he can kind of see that the figure sort of visibly shifts almost in a more defensive position, and the wolves at that point as well, again, bare their teeth, as though the suggestion that Arn continue on this trail is not something this figure, this Balathu, seems to enjoy or like. There is nothing for you here, Islander. Turn around and go back the way you came. Friend Balathu, I cannot do that. I need to find someone who can help me reforge an ancient weapon. Are you such a person? He's going to do a gather information roll here, using heart, because he's engaging in conversation with this strange figure in the woods. He's plus four. And uh, that's a fail. Let's see what the price is. <laughs> the price is 59. It causes a delay or puts you at a disadvantage. Balathu looks at him through this ornate wooden mask. The spear gets raised in a slightly more aggressive posture this time. I said, Ironlander, there is nothing for you here. I'm going to just literally interpret that delay as a momentum shift. So, so Arn is, is put off by this resistance. So he's going to, his momentum's going to go down by two. His momentum's going to go down to three. Please, Balathu, whoever or whatever you are, I am in desperate need. I am undergoing a sacred quest. That quest is to slay a beast, a beast that has terrorized my folk for years. I need someone to help me reforge the weapon that can bring down this terrible beast. If there is any chance that this trail leads to someone who could help me, I would be willing to compensate you or whoever it is that could help me. This is a compel roll. He is trying to barter. Basically, this he's saying, if, if you can help me with this, I'll give you something in return, which very well might be a new vow. <laughs> Let's see. There's no bond here, so he is just rolling. Plus four. Ten. Oh, strong hit. Tick plus one momentum. His momentum goes up to four. Balathu looks at him. The spear comes down. Less aggressively this time. You say you are looking to slay a beast. Tell me. What is the nature of this beast? Its name is Thaugalos. Does Balathu respond to the name Thaugalos? I would roll dice, but I think because he got a strong hit on this compel, that the answer is yes. Thaugalos, the dragon. You know of it. My people are familiar with this creature. And you say you have a weapon that requires reforging. Yes. It is the spear of my ancestors. It is called Ulvatan, Wolfstooth. But as you can see, he pulls out the spearhead from his pack. It is shattered at the base and requires to be remade into a proper weapon. There's no change in expression from behind the wooden mask, but Arn can tell that Balathu is very coolly regarding the, the spearhead in his hand. That blade is exquisitely crafted. If you are using it to bring down the dragon Thaugaloth, if you are going to attempt such a thing, then perhaps my people may be of service after all. For you see, Thaugaloth, strong hit on the compel, has also plagued us these past years. It has? Yes. The creature has never been able to find our village. 
we are well protected here. But it is a menace. Do you know of its location? I have already said too much, Ironlander, but I may be able to assist you. Come. And with a gesture, the wolves immediately fall into line at his heel. As he walks down this twisting wide trail with these strange ornate markings on the trees, Arn has to ask the question that he's been thinking the whole time. Friend Balathu, forgive my naivete, but I must ask, I have never encountered people of your nature before. Where I come from, we do not cover our faces in beautiful, exquisitely carved masks. Might I inquire as to why you cover your face? Balathus stops in front of him. The wolves immediately stop at his heel. He turns to face Arn. Again, behind this mask, Arn can't tell what's going on with this person. You have not yet earned the right to look beyond the mask of my people. Is there any chance that Arn knows what this is? Who Balathu is? Of what people Balathu comes from? Let's ask the Oracle. <laughs> I'm gonna call it unlikely. 76 or greater is yes. 82, the answer is yes. Forgive me if I continue to pry. It is not my intention, friend Balathu. But is it possible that I am in the presence of what my folk call elves. The eyes behind the mask, impossible to read. We find that term crude. Arn is taken aback. In his entire life, he has never, never encountered the legendary first folk of the Ironlands. They were merely legends. They were merely just stories. No one has seen an elf since time out of mind. So this is a huge deal. This is a big, big, big deal for Arn. In fact, so much so, because this elf knows about the dragon and because he's already compelled the elf to bring him into his village to help him remake the spear, is this worthy of a milestone? I think it is. I think this is worthy of a milestone on his quest. This is kind of cool. His quest, free the people of Wolfstone from the Scourge, gets another two ticks, which fills in his first box. As Balathu leads him around the corner of this wide trail, the trail narrows. They emerge into a beautiful forest glade. The trees here, instead of the harsh pine trees that Arn is used to traveling through over these past few days, the trees are slender. And here, where there was snow beginning to fall on the Ironlands, here, there is no snow. Here, there is only green, lush life vibrancy. It is all very strange. And as Arn and Balathu and the Three Wolves emerge into the center of this glade, Balathu stops and he turns to Arn and he says, we have arrived. And Arn looks around, he sees no settlement. I do not understand, Balathu. We have arrived where? We have arrived at my home. And he looks up. As Arn follows his eyes up, he sees it. A sight of unearthly beauty. Structures are built in the trees, but not just in the trees. They're built intertwined with the trees, sometimes of the trees themselves. Not, not cut, not, not as though the wood has been cut into planks and, and crudely forced into a shape. No, the buildings are carved 
with the line and curvature of the natural wood of the trees. And each of these buildings is connected by delicate and absolutely beautiful wooden bridges. Again, not bridges that have been cut harsh planks, no. Bridges that seem to be natural extensions of the trees themselves. This is utterly unlike anything Arne has ever seen. And as he looks up, he can see that the, the quality of the light itself has changed. That as he looks up, he does not see a harsh northern sky choked with snow threatening to disgorge its contents upon the Ironlands. No, what he sees is an otherworldly mystical blue to the sky that seems to continuously bathe down golden sunlight upon this glade that he now stands in. And he looks up, breath completely taken from him at this sight. I have never seen anything like this. No, Ironlander, you wouldn't have. We hide this place from prying eyes like yours for a reason. You were the first one not of our people to enter this village in a very long time. But be warned, the only reason why you are permitted here is because of that spearhead that you carry and the mission that you claim to be on. I assure you, this is no simple claim. I will find Thaugalos and slay him. Hmm. We shall see. And he gestures to a wooden platform at the base of a tree that as Arn looks at it, he realizes that it's in fact some type of elevator of a sort. Balasu looks up, he makes a sound with his voice. It, it must be a call. It sounds like, like a bird call, perhaps, or perhaps the call of some forest animal. There's something slightly guttural about it as well, something menacing about it. Balathu leads Arn onto the platform. The call is echoed by unseen figures up far above. And very slowly, the platform, the vine ropes creaking in the natural mechanisms that allow this contraption to, to, to work, the platform slowly begins to rise up, 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 into the trees, into the village of the elves of the Ironlands. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Don't forget, as always, to hit like and subscribe. And if you want to help support the show on Patreon, you can do so by clicking on the links below. Please tune in next time to see what happens to Arn as he emerges among the otherworldly elves of the Ironlands here on Me, Myself, and Die.